0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Charlotte, Derek Brunson versus Ray 2. And Shaq, uh, this unlikely rematch of a fight that happened in Strikeforce is happening again here this Saturday in Charlotte.
1: I mean, Brunson needs this rematch, bro, because the first one, let's just put it, I mean, he got his ass beat. I mean, from the opening bell, he got knocked stiff and... You know, Brunson's made a career out of this since, and so has Jacare, and now this is a crossroads fight for both of them. Jacare needs this fight bad. I mean, coming off his last fight against Rob Whitaker, where he got, you know, he did a chicken dance across the octagon, and, you know, Brunson coming off uh, his last fight with Machida, you know, he took out a legend, so, man, it's time to take out another one for him in his hometown.
0: I mean, Brunson has so many first-round finishes, and he's definitely one of the best front runners in the UFC. But if you can get past that first round with Brunson, you know... Historically. I, historically speaking, I, I haven't seen Brunson win uh, too many decisions. I'm not talking about that Chris Lieben fight uh, either, man. you know what I'm saying, man? But uh But real quick, got to address this last weekend, and a shout-out to my boy Shaq got back on track with a winning event, and uh, I didn't. I had a losing event I was absolutely disgusted with myself betting Francis. I, he, you saw me. I walked out the party we were at in the middle of the third round, and uh, but now you know, now it's Tuesday. Now I'm fucking over it. Now I'm ready to win this Saturday, man. And uh, congrats to you on getting back on track, man. Everybody just got to go buy that Shack individual package.
1: Yeah, man. Um, you know these things happen, but make no mistake about it. Your hole will be gotten out of very soon. You know what I'm saying? You know. We're dedicated to this 100%. A couple losses don't matter, but, yeah, I did get back on the winning track um, after that fucking horrible start. And we're going to definitely be getting
0: on track this weekend. Oh, man, we have a huge opportunity this weekend. I'm very, very confident in it. And just for everyone listening, you know, because I know some people were saying, well, what about the people that got a month package? Like, if they're not able to profit – listen – if you got a month package and you're not profiting, you get the next month free. Like, this isn't about us taking a buck from you. This is about you profiting. So, until you profit, I mean, you're going to get this service until you profit. But that being said, most of our members did sign up for a year because they know the value that we bring to the table, Shaq. They know we are long-term winners. They know I am 3-0 and on years. And I'm about to make it 4-0, and Shaq.
1: 100%. Long-term, consistent winning results. What more can you ask for?
0: That's right. Well, what they can ask for is no more bullshit, and no more bullshit will we give them, my friend. Because right here, right now, we got Nico Price. He's minus 235, and the comeback on George Sullivan is plus 195. Now, Shaq, George Sullivan's coming off two back-to-back You saw the suspensions, but Nico Price just got his ass absolutely handed to him by Vicente Luque. You have an opinion on this fight, my man? Yeah, Sullivan, you know, he's
1: got three UFC wins, which is actually fairly surprising. And then he's got, what, Tim Means, Yakovlev. That's it, right? So he's 3 2 in the UFC. He's 2 2 if we're honest. But, you know, if you really look into those three wins, you will see that one was against Mike Rhodes in his debut, a close fight, could have won either way. Um, And then, you know, he fought Igor Arujo, who's one of those, you know, Brazilian weasels looking to flop to his back and roll for leg locks, and, you know, the kid, the guy didn't want to be there, and then he, his other one is against Dom Waters, who took the fight on a weak notice, and, I mean, if you watch the fight, more of the same, pulling guard, flopping to their back, wanting a way out. Now, granted, Sullivan won those fights, but then when he fights the real guys, the, I mean, let's be honest here, Alexander Yakovlev was 0-2 at Welterweight, fights Gray Maynard, you know, ekes out a decision against Gray, and then comes against Sullivan and looks like a world champion, I mean... He fought Kamaru after that. So, all I'm saying is I don't think Sullivan, uh, at 36 years old, uh, two-year layoff, this is where the USADA suspension matters. Now, he can say whatever he wants about, you know, fertility, this and that, all that bullshit, but the fact of the matter, his skills to begin with before USADA were very, I mean, his defense, I mean, he's burning himself out with all this unnecessary throwing that he's doing he just throws 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 with no purpose none of the the strikes have anything on him i mean he's a tough guy he's willing to push but i think a guy like nico price who you know was on quite the streak before his last fight and those things happen man like we always say when you're undefeated it's always time to get that ass beat it's always time for that first L.
0: look at my and boy and Gannon.
1: exactly and look at my vicente had to take his first L, and vicente had to give nico's uh nico his first L, man uh, I think Nico's improving. I think his boxing's getting better, even though his stats, you know, look like that. You know, his stats uh show that he does get hit twice more than he lands. But that's what happens when you're fighting Alex Moronos, guys that can move on the outside and switch step and come in with angles, guys that really know how to strike. Sullivan's just a tough guy out there striking as were Marono Juban uh Vicente Luca these guys actually know know what they're doing now e- even
0: thatch even though he sucks even, yeah, exactly, on the mat he exactly, can actually thatch, strike a little exactly.
1: bit exactly Brandon thatch these guys and I just think Nico's too rough for him I think Nico's a gamer I think Nico loves this more and I think Sullivan's a tough guy coming to fight but I just don't think he has the skills to compete at this level anymore maybe maybe you know 3 4 years ago he did he could hang around and beat some guys you know back when he was fighting those guys but not anymore man I think uh his style is outdated i think uh nico price is gonna dominate here
0: listen George Sullivan's about to turn 37 years old, and he already sucked when he was 35 years old. So, I mean, he also sucked when he was 33, Shaq. And now he's coming off two back-to-back USADA suspensions. This is where USADA matters. USADA doesn't matter when it's Mateus (laughs) Nicolaou who's fucking 24 or Brian T-City who was 24. It matters when it's Guido Canetti who's 38. It matters when it's George Sullivan who's about to be 37. This is where USADA matters. And it's funny because Nico Price is going to look so good in this fight that his next fight he's going to be like a minus three favorite in a spot where it should be closer but George Sullivan's the kind of guy that there's only one reason he didn't get cut because they were thinking all right which one of our young up-and-coming welterweights can we give an easy win to and you know I I think uh they like how Nico fights Nico takes fights on short notice his first two UFC fights were on short notice they were both wins inside the distance he gets a full camp against Juban now initially I kind of wrote that that win off. I kind of discredited that win, Shaq, because I was like, oh, Juban's so chinny, this and that. You watch that fight again, and that straight he hit Juban with, that wasn't a matter of chin. That was a fucking missile, man. <laughs> and I'll tell you right here, right now, in half the battle, if George Sullivan gets hit with that same shot, or any shot in the arsenal of Nico Price, he's going he's gonna to take a canvas nap, because when you make Alexander Yakovlev look like a future world champion... That's when you know what kind of jobber you are. He's a grade-A jobber. I mean, listen, like you were saying earlier, Yakovlev was 1-2 and in the UFC. He could barely eke out a win over Gray Maynard. He couldn't even put away Gray Maynard. You know what I'm saying? Then he goes out there against Sullivan and looks like fucking George St. Pierre. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Man, blast doubles him twice, knocks him out stiff. And uh, we saw uh, after that... Alexander Yakovlev couldn't even win another fight, man. He got he was in there with Kamara. I was like, oh he's turned a corner, this and that. He ain't turned shit, you know? So
1: beat his ass.
0: Yeah, so listen, man, now Sullivan's coming back. And by the way, for those that don't know, he hasn't fought since the Yakovlev fight. In his whole UFC career, look, I thought he lost to Biggie Rhodes. And what about the Igor Araujo fight? The dude's huffing and puffing after round one. He's huffing and puffing after round one, and then Dom Waters fight. Dom Waters is pulling guard. That's the only reason why Sullivan won that fight. You know who's not about to flop to his back like a fucking pussy? Nico Price isn't about to flop to his back like a bitch. So I I think Nico's going to win either by KO, by submission, but as you know, Shaq, we like to pick guys that we know if this goes the full three-round distance, we're capable of winning a decision. Now, even though Nico has only won one decision in his career, I still think that if Sullivan is somehow durable enough to take these shots, which I highly doubt because I think he's getting knocked out, but if he's durable enough to take these shots, I think it's going to be a three-round ass whoop and uh, Nico, Nico Price is swinging the hammer, so... I got Nico Price here. I think he's going to welcome George Sullivan back to the UFC after that two-year layoff. And then uh, if George Sullivan wants to retire, he can retire. But if he wants to go beat up some bums in the local scene or if he wants to fight some up-and-comers that would love a win over a UFC vet, I know a lot of friends that would love to fight him. I know my boy Jared Gooden would love to fight him. I know my boy Eli Winter would love to fight him. So George Sullivan, come take this L and then come take some more L's in the NFC, my man. Now next up, female uh what is this straw weight my man is this flyweight who yeah, gives a I'm fuck sure. <laughs> but we got justine quiche she's minus 335 and the comeback on Ji Yoon kim is plus 275 now uh last time justine quiche fought uh she shot the bed but now she's a minus 335 favorite now she's not fighting felice herrick and i gotta tell you what i am a fan of justine Keish style because she's relentless it's a uh, quote-unquote balls to the wall what, what do you say for chicks uh uh badge to the wall <laughs> but uh, blah 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 man. She fights with that spirit, she fights with that heart, she trains out of black house, and uh she'll fight until the job gets done unless you're simply better than her. So my question for you, Shaq, is Kim better than her?
1: Um, you know the thing is with Keisha's style is that it presents a lot of openings. You know, she likes to come in there with her chin right up straight up in the air. She likes to bang. She likes to come in recklessly. She likes to give up her back going for takedowns. I mean, the openings are there for her opponent in every aspect. It's just a matter of can you deal with Keisha's rough style? Because we know Keisha's a chick that will break chicks just on Will alone by just going, 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 and not stopping, and sometimes these chicks can't handle it, and that's how I see, I see the fight coming out, I see um, Kim, you know, probably landing a few good punches early, you know, when the emotions are running high, and I feel like um, eventually Keisha will just be too much, just the pace, the tenacity will just be too much, and she'll end up squeaking out a 29-28 decision, but, uh, you know, Keisha's a tough chick, man. I, I I mean, just the fact that she didn't tap from that choke against Herrick says enough about her. And, you know, Ji Kim in her debut against Putalova, I mean, she showed that she had some good movement and hands. But when things got tough,
0: she folded. This is true. And one person that's not going to fold is Justine Keisha. I mean, she's willing... <laughs> Anything can happen to her, and she still won't tap if you know what I mean, Shaq. So, uh, look, I think she's going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at Kim, and it's about if Kim can counter, if Kim's technical enough, if Kim has the heart to deal with a chick like Keish, because Keish has heart for day. She has an incredible backstory, too. Go look it up. I got uh, Justin Keish by unanimous decision here. Lightweight division. This is a good one, my man vince pichelli's minus 110 and Joaquim neto bjj silva is also minus 110 now they call him neto bjj he is a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt i call him neto muay thai because this motherfucker can bang huh, Shaq?
1: yeah man neto
0: bjj i'm
1: sure you guys know i've been high on the kid for a very long time vince Pichel. i mean when that guy was on tough i was also a big fan comes to bang as well so this fight has all the makings for fight of the night both guys are willing to Plant their feet and see who goes down first. We have seen Pichelle in the past, you know, come in with a different game plan, taking guys down like in the Garrett Whiteley fight, like in the Enchikawany fight, and then we, uh, then he shows that he can knock people stiff, like how he knocked our boy Damian out. But Nelo BJJ is one of these guys that he's a bruiser. Now I'm not saying he's the fastest guy. He doesn't move his head. He likes to block punches with his face. But in terms of gameness and in terms of just being a bruiser. Like, Neto's the guy that he can land one overhand right and your eye could be swelled up and shut. You know what I'm saying? Just look at the physique of the guy. He's in great shape. He has a great doctor in Brazil. I mean, he's got the best needles and vitamins down there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the guy comes to fight every single time. He's undefeated. Only lost to Gleico, uh, franco Glacofranca uh was on tough to submission, and you know as far as I see this fight, I see you know Vince possibly being a little more experienced, even though he hasn't he's only fought one time in what four years. And you know
0: and it was a first round knockout too. Exactly,
1: and you know I don't think I don't think Vince. Uh, I think I wouldn't be shocked if Vince wasn't coming to bang. I think that he might be looking to get a takedown here because we saw Razor Medati get several takedowns against Neto BJJ. But the thing is, Neto BJJ's get up game is so disgusting. Like the way he pushes the head, the way he works back up to his feet, and uh, it's just a matter of uh, can Neto capitalize on these openings because you know Vince in the Damian Brown fight. You could tell he was behind a little step but granted he hadn't fought in four years or whatever it was but what if he's still not comfortable you know what i'm saying he's still getting his feet adjusted in there and Neto could pos- netos not the type of guy you can make mistakes against early and uh even though he hasn't gotten he's only got one knockout in the ufc uh prior to the ufc the guy all his fights ended up uh, by knockout but um, it's a tough fight. I'm gonna go with Neto BJJ. I think he's gonna have a hard time getting those takedowns with Neto when he see when he sees Neto pop back up the first time. And I think Neto's gonna be here for the duration of the three rounds. He's proved it that he's not a gasser like people think he is. People think he's got a cardio issue. I mean, the, the kid pushes hard for three rounds.
0: Who on the third round of <laughs> exactly, his last fight?
1: Exactly. The kid pushes hard for three rounds. Granted, yeah, he might be a little tired, but there's a difference between being tired and gassing out or and pushing through it. You there's a difference between
0: George Sullivan. Yeah. Exactly. Netto BJJ. Exactly.
1: One guy is pushing through it and, you know, re- responding to the shots. Well, and one guy's all over the place dying. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go with uh, Neto BJJ. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he went down because, like I did say, he likes to block punches with his faces and Vince can crack. Vince also, all his fights before Tough ended up by uh, uh, KO. So it's a tough fight to call. They're both very similar in ways. I'm going to go with Neto BJJ, but uh, I'm going to sit back and enjoy it.
0: I actually would be surprised if Vince knocked him out because Neto BJJ has a very similar quality to Josh Emmett, and that's the quality that you hit this guy with your hardest shot, you're going to break your hand on his head. Like He's one of those guys, whereas I love Damian Brown, friend of mine, friend of the show, always been an awesome dude, but I don't think Damian Brown is as durable as Joachim Silva, man. I just think that the way... Joachim is built, Neto BJJ, like just the way, the way he was born or his doctor in Brazil, whatever the deal is, the guy is durable. Now, that, with that being said, he's also a little slower. But the thing is, man, if you get off on him early and then he's still there and you start to slow down a little bit, that's when he starts to bruise on you, man. <laughs> and we got to talk about his get-up game. I know you mentioned it, but I want to emphasize how fucking good this guy's get-up game is. You take him down, you're not holding him down. And if Vince is able to do that, I would be uh, – I'd be very impressed. Now, I'm impressed with Vince too, man. I mean, I was a fan of him on Tough 15, Tough Live, you know. He was also supposed to fight my boy Vic, but we know what happened, uh, you know, why they didn't fight. But uh, but now, uh, you know, now they're boys. Vic's actually got Pichel in this fight, just so you all know. But I'm going to go the opposite way, man. I'm going to go Neto BJJ here. I think that he's a little bit fresher than Vince Pichel. I think he's going to win a close decision here. I think he's going to land the harder shots. And when I say land the harder shots, like, I know that Vince Pachel is going to land, too. It's just I feel like when Neto lands, Vince is going to feel it more. You know, Vince is almost 37 years old, guys. And Neto, like, like we said, look, a perfect punch can put anyone down. But Neto just strikes me as the kind of guy you break your hand trying to crack this guy as hard as you can. So I'm going to go with Neto BJJ via 29-28 unanimous decision. And back to the chicks randa Marcos, she's minus 160 The comeback on juliana lima is plus 140 now shaq you already know the deal randa wins one loses one wins one loses one she's coming off a loss so uh is history re- gonna repeat it- Is history gonna repeat itself is she gonna get another win here the trend will continue saturday night you know it's gonna
1: uh you know it's gonna continue randa marcos does this every time now look it's so funny because randa marcos has wins over carla esparza tisha torres and Felice Herrick, and who else? Um, I mean, that's good enough for me. That's, I mean, just those three <laughs> wins alone, you know what I'm saying? But she's seven and six. <laughs> the chick just can't get things together in terms of consistency. And you know, her last fight against Grasso, where she, she claims that she won and all this shit. And it's like you lost. And she had to get over it. And now, Juliana Lima. Now, look, Juliana Lima is a chick I'm willing to fade against Tisha Torres on minus three eighty five. Now granted I know it's Tisha Torres, but the it's not very hard. it's not the game plan to beat Juliana Lima isn't very hard. All you have to do is keep punches in her face because she's very timid to get hit. She's very aware of getting hit. She I don't think she's chinny at all. I just think that some people our little, you know, there's always that one person in the gym that's very super cautious about getting hit, and she's one of those, and then, you know, when you keep those straight punches in her face, she's going to shoot a desperate attempt, and once you stuff that, she'll start flopping, and, you know, but she's a big chick, she beat J.J. Aldridge, she, uh, she beat Nina Androff, if you, she's a good, she's a, she's the female weasel at
0: 115, just Ooh, put Lima? it, uh, yeah, Lima's the that's weasel. kind of a compliment, bro,
1: exactly, but, she beat J.J. Aldrich with it. She beat uh Nina Androv with it. It's two solid wins. So, I mean... Is she, I, she the
0: weasel or is Justin Keish the weasel? Justin Keish ain't the
1: weasel. Because weasels don't fight. You know what I'm saying? Weasels, <laughs> weasels sit back. And that's what she is. And, uh... So that's, that's who I would uh, compare it to, but I think Randa Marcos gets the job done here. Just with the punches, I think that Juliana Lima has has a deep fear of uh, trading punches inside the pocket, and I think that she's going to shoot some desperate takedown attempts. Now, if she can get those takedown attempts, I wouldn't be shy because you never know what we're going to get from Randa. But generally, coming off a loss, Randa Marcos looks good, and I think the trend will continue.
0: You know, they call Juliana Lima Jew tie, but uh, I ain't she seen it. much of uh, her she tie, if you know what I mean, up. Shaq, so... uh yeah, I, they should call her a uh, Jew Weasel, but uh, listen, man, bottom line here is I, I feel like the wrestling of Random Marco is going to be the difference. You know, she is an Iraqi wrestler, and like you said, wins over Tisha Torres, wins over Carlos Barza, wins over Felice Herrick. That's good enough for me to pick against someone like Juliana Lima, who.
1: But she lost to Panay, though. <laughs> she lost to Panay, lost to Courtney Casey, lost
0: to Justine Quiche. It's just so inconsistent. The thing with with Juliana Lima I don't think she's as tough as Random Marcos like I think Random Marcos been through some shit in her life which is why for the most part she won't quit in fights you she, know she's quit once or twice all, all the chicks quit once or twice right except Keish but no but listen man uh, I think Juliana Lima has shown that if things don't look when, when Tisha Torres gets her first ever finish in MMA history against you, that says a lot to me, man. So I, I think the first round has the potential to be close. But after that, I see Randa Marcos uh, running away with it because I think her wrestling will be too good for Juliana Lima. I think the striking, even though technic- from a technical standpoint, yeah, Lima is a little bit more sound. But Marcos she, finds a way to make that awkwardness work. Exactly. And I think she's going to do that here, man. So I'm going to go with uh, Randa Marcos by unanimous decision. Damn, they got a lot of chick fights here, man. What's up with that? But, anyways, Caitlin Kagan's 160 and Morella Barella is plus 140. Now, I know we were talking about my girl Morella Barella that last time when, when uh, Kalindra Faria fought Jessica I. And, like I said, Morella Barella's got an incredible body lock. She can body lock me any day. But when you're talking about Caitlin Kagan, I mean, she is one of the premier point fighters in that division, check. Yeah, shukagan Ch- has got a good style to win on points.
1: Um, the thing is, you know, her fight with Carmouche, I, I, I'm going to just, you know, credit it to, you know, first loss time. But she did get out-muscled in that fight, and that could happen here against Barella. Barella, we just saw a body lock like Faria, but I'm under the assumption that Faria has just no wrestling whatsoever. And I mean... Faria,
0: I, full-mounted, just got <laughs> that went for a leg lock. I was like, you know are I'm you saying? serious right now?
1: You know, I'm under that assumption now, so... The uh, credib- credibility and that wind goes down a little bit, but <clears throat> uh, Chukagian throws mad volume on the feet, always making those loud grunting sounds like Holly Holm. And but I think she's actually a little bit more efficient at it. I think she like lands more. Um, her fight with Irina Adana, I actually watched it. I actually she won that fight. It was close, but just mad volume. But like we said, Mirella Borella is going to be looking to get this body lock, looking to get this double leg. So she better be very careful or she's going to lose another split. But I think a lot of chicks are going to have a, a hard time dealing with the, you know, dealing with the playing with the hands and that Mark Henry style of the point fighting that, you know, that hard jersey, as he likes to say. And I think a lot of chicks don't, they, they don't know how to play that game. So I think uh, Chukagin actually has an edge on the feet here
0: and in a lot of other spots. Um, so I'm going to go with Chukagin. Didn't Marella Barella go to a split with Milana Dudieva? Is this a true story, Shaq? Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's all I got to say. When you go to splits with chicks with mom quit, and look, I guess Marella Barella just had a very favorable matchup against uh, Faria, and look, even though I personally thought Faria beat Jessica I, it just shows you that kind of level. Like, Faria is head-to-head with Jessica I. She's going to splits with Jessica I. That's the level she's on. Barella is a step above that, but I think Jukagian's – two steps above that, you know, and it comes down to what kind of lessons has she learned from that Liz Carmouche fight, is she going to get grinded again, is Barella's body lock really as good as I think it is, and all that, but bottom line, you know, uh, in a past lifetime, just like Holly Holm, Kaitlyn Kagan would have been a fucking tennis player with those sounds she makes, man. And She wears the skirt and everything. You know you know how this shit goes, bro. So I think Blonde Fighter is going to get a 29... Th- <laughs> that's her fucking name, bro. <laughs> I think she's going to get a 29-28 unanimous decision Blonde here. Blonde Fighter? Yeah, you know. All right. Mirsad Bektik, he's minus 620. And the comeback on Godofredo Dupepe is plus 460. Now, last time we saw Mirsad, he was about the same size favorite. And uh, he dropped the ball in a way where, uh, you know what I'm saying? When you get head kick knocked out by Darren Elkins, and by the way, I know it says that's only his first pro knockout loss, but between you and me, it's his second pro knockout loss because we all know Chaskelly knocked him out with a knee in the second round of their fight. Go back and watch it. So he's got two knockout losses. And Pepe, as you know, you saw his fight with Noad Lahat. He knocked out Noad Lahat with a flying knee. <laughs> Fucking Bektik's got a... Has an issue with dudes that throw kicks and knees. You think he's going to get knocked out for the third time here, or you think the minus 620 price tag is here for a reason?
1: You know, this is a fight I want nothing to do with. Neither guy's trustworthy. Um, Backtick, I feel like, you know, he's beating guys on the feet and he's shooting these unnecessary takedowns when he has these guys hurt on the feet because like, maybe deep down he's not comfortable, you know, eating punches. Uh, he's been knocked out before. Uh, Pepe is definitely not comfortable <laughs> eating punches, I mean, you know, you hit that guy good one good time, and I mean, definitely gonna be starting to flop into his back, I mean, me personally, I can't have any action on a guy that's going for flying triangles and flying armbars, granted, you know, he'll get one every blue moon like he did against uh, Philly, but... And as Deshaun as, Johnson. Yeah, exactly. As far as a long term a long term situation, I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm gonna take Massad here just because I think he's a little tougher. I think uh when things don't go Pepe's way, he'll start doing his general Brazilian weasel tactics and he'll start uh Flopping to his back going for triangles, so I think uh, he'll concede the position to Merced even if it went three rounds. But I think Merced has his way in this fight.
0: Well, you know what's interesting? You said when things don't go Pepe's way, he tends to you know lose. Well, when things do go Mirsaad's way, he loses too. Cause you <laughs> saw that Darren Elkins fight. You you saw that fucking Kelly fight. I know. I also
1: saw the Lucas Martins fight, and I saw him. I saw him come back from getting illegally need by chad and dominating the rest of the fight you know what i'm saying and making the kid quit so <laughs> hey,
0: he didn't come back from nothing against darren elkins i'll tell you that right now
1: <laughs> i mean darren elkins is on a six fight win streak
0: darren elkins knocked the fucking blue streak out of his hair man i don't know what the fuck was up with that man and you know it's so funny during the first round of that fight people are messaging me saying shit like oh beck could beat max holloway today i'm like take it easy you know and uh look pepe's a vet man when he got dropped by shane burgos you know, he didn't just rush back up to his feet and start charging. He he sat on his back. He waited for the rep to let him up. He took his time to recover. That's some vet shit. Some pussy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that Mirsad is better than him everywhere. It just comes down to Mirsad not getting clipped and going down. Because, look, Mirsad's chin is questionable in my eyes, but so is Pepe's. Pepe's been knocked at a million times. But then when Pepe finally saw his Brazilian doctor, and you saw Mr. Magma up on that scale. But now we got USADA. Now it's a different time. He's still a little bit more ripped than he was when he first came into the UFC, but he ain't that same fucking dude that was flying kneeing uh, Noad Lahad and flying triangling Andre Feely. He's not that guy anymore. So I'm going to go with Mirsad by a late ground-and-pound TKO. This is a good fight right here. Bobby Green, he's minus 155, and Eric Koch is plus 135. Now, a couple years ago, man, I mean, we could have been saying this fight could have been for a top 15 spot, but now it's for a fucking roster spot, Shaq. (laughs)
1: Uh, what they could have been. What they could have been. Uh, Eric Koch was supposed to fight Aldo uh, twi- twice. Yeah, Koch heads. Shout out to coke heads. Um, <laughs> Eric heads. When man, you
0: call your fan base Koch Yeah,
1: you know, when you have a Koch heads tattoo on your arm. Oh, my God. Um, you know Your kids are going to see that. <laughs> it's just uh, it's unfortunate to see where things have went. The Llamas fight, the Dustin fight, the Crookshank fight um and the clay guida fight the bobby green situation he also is a victim of dustin Poirier, and i mean ever since that acl surgery and that quad surgery he's never been the same you know when when you're a guy where your whole game relies on speed and instincts and you know fast reactions and you know you turn 30 and now your knees and legs are not moving the same way they once did then you know you uh You go on a a run like Bobby has. In his last fight against Lando, I thought he lost, to be honest. I thought Lando won that fight. Two rounds to one. Even with the point deduction, it should have been scored uh, for Lando, in my opinion. Um, But it is what it is. Bobby is a tough motherfucker. When Bobby gets street in there, then it's going to be a real fight. Now, Coke can actually win this fight because, you know, I have a suspicion that Bobby, you know, I feel like he trains, but I feel like, you know, he did say he has a lot of baby mama drama. He did say he's got fucking a hell of a life. He's got, when you got baby mama drama and, you know, you know, I'm not going to get into his personal life, but let's just say, you know, let's just say he could be doing more things. You know what I'm saying? And he's he's admitted that. He said that his life, he hasn't been able to train the way he's wanted to because his life is just too crazy. So, um, Erico can actually win this fight if, you know, he can land a left head kick. Or a straight left, but the thing is, when when's the last time Eric Coke threw?
0: Against Rafaelo Oliveira.
1: Exactly. And that was how long ago? That was pre reebok The la- the thing is you can't count on that guy throwing, so therefore I don't want any part in this fight. I'm gonna sit back and enjoy and let the two shells of themselves fight. I'm a, still a big fan of both guys. I mean, when Coke was coming up in the WC and Bobby was coming up in Strike Force, I was big fans. But uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Bobby Green by split decision. I think it's gonna be close. I think um, I think he will get rocked at some point in this fight, but I think he'll he'll turn it up late and uh you know make it a little street fight, and uh, I think he'll scrape out a decision.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting fight, man. I know uh, if you go on Bobby Green's Instagram, my dude been doing that lean. He's got that Styrofoam cup, the Sprite, the Jolly Ranchers, the rainbow colors in his cup. So, I mean, when you're doing that kind of shit, man, uh, all I know from <laughs> <laughs> from personal experience back in high school, uh, I don't know if you can get into a fistfight on a Saturday night inside a steel cage if you're doing that lean, man. And uh, the thing is, maybe you can because Eric Koch refuses to throw a fucking thing. But the thing is, I feel like, like you said, man, with Bobby's style, he relies on that speed, he relies on that athleticism. You see with these kind of guys, I'm not going to compare him to Roy Jones or Anderson Silva, but he tries to be like those guys, and you saw what happened with those guys when they got older. Speed is the first thing to go. If you're a power puncher, that's why – look, I know Rampage is a terrible example because he just got his ass beat, but <laughs> – You know, a lot of Dan Hendo, for example, his last fight ever was a championship fight against Bisbee. And even though he lost on the cards, he still dropped them like two, three times because power is the last thing to go. But speed's the first thing to go. And Bobby's the guy that relies on his speed. I think his speed is gone after all those surgeries, after all those ass whoopings. Because he used to be able to fight with his hands down, slip every punch, brush his shoulders wave you on i remember when i cashed that plus 250 against josh thompson but those days are long fucking gone and eric coke is a complete shell of himself eric coke he's hit or miss he doesn't even show up on fight night but the thing is look if this turns into a street fight and it gets hood in there i think bobby green will win but i don't think he's gonna get to that point because i don't think bobby's got enough left for that so i think uh, eric coke's gonna high kick knock him out it's gonna be very sad but uh coke will get back on track here so i'm gonna go with the dog uh erica uh, old breed coke <laughs> Now first fight of the main card, lightweight division, Drew Dober, he's minus one seventy five, and the comeback on Frank the crank Camacho is plus one fifty five, man. Now Frank's coming off a uh, you know, a top five candidate for fight of the year against Damian Brown. They literally stood up and banged for three straight rounds. No one fell. They just kept eating each other's shots. But now he's moving up a weight class. You know he couldn't make fifty five the last time. Now he's fighting at seventy against a vet and Drew Dober. Uh, so what do you think, man? Who you got?
1: Uh, you know, Frank Camacho's fight with Damian Brown, I thought it was a great fight. I thought he showed great cardio for a guy that was missing weight. They exchanged punches nonstop for 15 minutes. Um, Drew Dober, 4-4 four four in the UFC. Like, he's in my 500 fighter category. Um, win, lose, lost to Efrain. Um, his UFC wins, I mean, pretty much are Jason Gonzalez, Josh Berkman. Um, Varner. Varner, and... Holtzman so he's got one solid win, but the other three in my opinion are just i mean if you can't beat josh berkman in 2018 <laughs> like come on guys let's relax a, a little bit here he knocked out berkman and all of a sudden he's a future top 15 guy like let's relax let's not forget the oam fight and you can say well he dropped oam <laughs> so what that was the only thing he did in the fight. He got completely wiped out. Now, I understand Frank Camacho in the past. He's actually been fighting pro since he was 15 years old, and he's 28 years old now, you know what I'm saying? So the guy's got a lot of miles on him. But, I mean, I mean, but from Dober, Dober's a guy that, you know, exchanging punches, he's super stiff. He's got a, especially at 55, he's super stiff. So maybe going up to 70, but he's fought at 70 before. He fought at 70 against Sean Spencer and lost. And I mean, now, you know, already being slow, in my opinion, when OAM's beating you to the punch inside the pocket, and then, you know, you're fighting Frank Camacho, who... Grant is a guy that likes to give up his back. And if Dober comes with the right game plan, don't get me wrong, he could definitely muscle him to the ground. I mean, this is a guy that muscled Scott Holtzman to the ground and, you know, uh, out-wrestled him. But if they exchange punches, I honestly think that Frank Camacho is going to knock him out because with that extra weight, that extra 15, 20 pounds at 170, and he's already a guy that's got thick legs and it's a little slow and, you know, we've seen him get touched up inside the pocket before, And now he's uh, fighting Frank Camacho, who loves... Frank Camacho didn't back up one step against Damian Brown. Not one step. I mean, and and you saw the Lee Jingleong fight. Now, I know Lee gets tagged up early each fight, but I just think that uh, if they stand, Frank Camacho has the edge. Now, if Dober uh, wants to tie up and, you know, take him down, then if he does that, then congratulations. But I'm going to go with Camacho because I think Dober is going to stand. He is a national Muay Thai champion. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) he is a national Muay Thai champion. And I think he's going to play right into Camacho's game. I think in the first round, they're going to come out, and uh, they're going to be moving around. And I think uh, Camacho catches him with a left hook at some point. Now, granted, if he finishes him, then he finishes him. But uh, if it goes three rounds, I definitely agree. It suits Dober better. But I'm going to go with Camacho by TKO, man. I think he's going to land a a punch somewhere. And uh, Dober's going to be scratching to get back to 500, but, you know, look, all I'm saying is, you know, in the past, Frank Camacho, when he got his back taken on the local scene, like against Kasuya, he'd tap out, his last fight against Damian Brown, maybe he turned the corner a little bit, because Damian did get on that back, and he didn't tap, he didn't find his way out like he did in the past, now, granted, if that happens again, will he, will he do the same thing? I don't know, but plus 155, I actually think it's, uh, Dogger pass in this situation. I would not bet Dober, a 500 fighter, four and four, minus 175 in the spot because I honestly don't. I don't think he has too many advantages in this fight.
0: It's an interesting fight because we know that first round, Frank Camacho throws some concussive blows, man. That dude tries to get you out of there with everything he's got. The thing is, Dober is a super durable guy, man. You know, I know, I know he got choked out by Efrain Escudero in under a minute, and I know the Leandro Silva bullshit, but I mean. And I know fucking Will Brooks beat this guy on the regional scene. Let's not even mention that Shaq. But uh, he's at, been
1: knocked out on the local scene before as well. Who
0: knocked out Drew Dober?
1: Um, some guy named some guy named Ramiro Hernandez knocked him out back in 2011. KO. And we saw what OAM did to him.
0: Yeah. So you know, I really wanted to sit here and be like, "Well, Dober's never been knocked out, but uh, he has been knocked out." But here's the thing, man.
1: Macho's been knocked out too, though.
0: Camacho's been finished a bunch yeah. of times, but by the oh, way. All his
1: losses are by
0: I just feel like Camacho comes out here, throws super hard that first round. Now it's about can he get Dober out of there or not. Because I think at this point, even though Dober is a 500 fighter, I think his experience could carry him through this fight if this sees the later rounds. So it's about is this going to see the later rounds. This could be a live betting opportunity. Kind of like I told you guys with that Darren Elkins versus Michael Johnson fight. I said... If Darren Elkins uh, gets past this first round and Michael Johnson's looking a little slower, that's when you live bet Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins was plus 400 live between rounds. I think this could be a similar situation. You just have to pay very close attention to the state of uh, of Frank Camacho, man, because, look, he's going to be throwing with everything he's got in that first round. He's going to try as hard as he can to get Drew Dober out of there. And if he gets him out of there, then, hey, he'll cash a plus 155 for everyone that takes it. But if he doesn't get him out of there... I'm under the suspicion that he is going to slow down just because I've seen him slow down in many fights in the past. And I think that, you know, Dobro could start piling on those leg kicks, mixing takedowns. Not that he's some takedown artist because he isn't, but we've seen what he's done to other up-and-coming prospects like the hockey player, uh, Scott Holtzman. You know, the dude that they say is a pro hockey player, but he never fought in the NHL. That guy, Shaq. So, uh... I'm going to go with motherfucking Drew Dover by controversial split decision here. So, we'll see We'll see exactly what happens though. But I think it could be a good live betting opportunity in this fight. Now man, here we got the second widest line of the card. Gregor Gillespie is minus 580. The comeback on Jordan Rinaldi is plus 440. Now, gone are the days when you could get Gregor Gillespie at minus 210 against Andrew Holbrook. You max bet it and he knocks him out in 20 seconds. Those days... Are long gone now. You gotta now. Now you can't even play him anymore. Now it's dog or pass situations. The question is: I mean, is Jordan Rinaldi gonna finally rise to the occasion against this step up?
1: You know, I'm I'm gonna go with Gregor, and I'm gonna go with Gregor fairly handedly. I think it'll be close early. I think Rinaldi you know, will come out with a lot of emotion in his uh, hometown, but uh, I think uh, eventually that national championship wrestling drive will just kick in, and uh, Gregor will end up, you know, breaking the kid. But uh I think Gregor, long term, might have to drop down to 45 because when you think about the size, I mean, Ronaldi's way bigger than him. Ronaldi's one of the bigger lightweights. But Ronaldo's under the assumption he can make 145, so. What's up with these
0: big dudes at 55 <laughs> saying they can go to 45? You heard Polo Reyes and Ronaldo yeah. talking about that. I'm like, what the fuck? Y'all would it. kill yourselves. Yeah,
1: but uh I, think, uh I think Gregor gets the job done. I just think his wrestling's going to be too much now on the feet. The kid doesn't move his head. But the thing is, Ronaldo's not the guy, in my opinion at least, that's going to take advantage of that because Ronaldo's a very chinny guy. We've seen Ronaldo hurt several times on the local scene. And the thing is, I just think Gregor's the better fighter overall
0: in every aspect. Man, Gregor's drive. If you go watch that fight against Gleco Franza, I mean, the entries to those double legs was unbelievable. And that was against a guy twice his size. And it's like, all right, well, he's an amazing wrestler. Oh, yeah. Before I talk about his striking... Every time I talk about Gregor, I got to talk about this. This is a guy that wrestled in the finals against Jordan Burroughs. One does not simply wrestle in the finals against Jordan Burroughs, Shaq. And not only that, he's a Golden Gloves boxer. I know everyone's a Golden Gloves boxer, so that don't mean shit, you know. But you saw his fight with Holbrook. I know everyone's knocked out Holbrook. But hey, he knocked him out in like under a minute. He knocked him out in the first exchange. That's exactly what I needed when I wanted to cash that max bet. So here is an interesting situation because Ronaldi's a lot bigger than him, but so was Jason Gonzalez. So was Gleico Franza. So Gregor's used to fighting these guys bigger than him. The thing that would kind of, you know, obviously, you know, I would never bet a minus 600 or whatever the line is, but the thing that would kind of put a little fear in me um, is that first L time is always right around the corner, my man. This kid's undefeated. Ronaldo's paid his dues. Ronaldo's in his hometown. Ronaldo's coming in here to win this. It's just that I think Gregor is simply better than him. And look, I'm friends with uh, Rinaldi's brother. You know, He and I speak on a regular basis. Rinaldi fought in the NFC before here on the local scene. I walked up to him after he choked out Clay Harvison. I said, expect that UFC call. And six months later, he got that UFC call. I love Jordan Rinaldi. He's a great guy. But when it comes to picking these fights, you have to be honest about it. So I'm going to be honest about it. And I got Gregor Gillespie by unanimous decision. But uh, it would be cool to see my boy Jordan Rinaldi get this upset. But I'm going to go with Gregor here. Co-main event of the evening, Dennis Bermudez. He's minus 155, and the comeback on Andre Feely, or as Joe Rogan likes to say, Andrew Feely, is plus 135. Now, Shaq, real quick, Dennis Bermudez gets dropped every single fight. And I'm not just talking about against Max Holloway. I'm not just talking about Lamas. I'm talking about against fucking Matt Grice. I'm talking about against fucking Tommy Hayden and everyone else he's fought. So uh, will this be the 11th? career knockdown or whatever it is probably like 15 to 20 by now will this be another career knockdown for Dennis Bermudez Honey Jason dropped him too by the way
1: yes I think he will get dropped in this fight um now will he get finished and will Philly win it's another thing uh Bermudez the guy's on the tail end how many what's his uh current like what four or five he's lost four or five four or five um I mean, you know, the Elkins fight, I actually, going into that fight, I thought that was a good fight for him because I thought, you know, he had Elkins beaten in every aspect, wrestling, speed, cardio, power. And it turns out Elkins is the better wrestler now when Dennis is the D1 wrestler. And it turns out uh, he's faster on the feet. And it's just sad to see where everything's gone. He He went from a guy that used to get dropped in every fight but used to recover super quick, have that super... You know, reaction time, get on top and smash, guys, you know, he, he allegedly beat Max Holloway, even though me, you, everyone here know that the only peoples to really beat Max is Connor and Dustin, so the fact that Bermudez's name is on that list is disgusting, but... I just think, uh, you know, Philly, Now, when we get to Philly, you know, his fight with Calvin Qatar, people think he dropped the ball, but when you really think about it, he's just not on Calvin Qatar's level. And the fact that he didn't get finished when my boy Hurricane Shane uh, had to take a little, had to learn a hard little lesson this past Saturday, and shout out to Hurricane Shane because he fought like a man. But uh, Philly, his next fight against Artem Lobov, You know, drops him with that head kick, but he fought very cautious. I think Artem has that ability to like scare guys with the the way he fights, you know, just willing to, you know, stand in exchange like that. But yeah, some of the exchanges were getting a little hairy. He did wobble a couple times in there. Um, The thing is, I think Bermudez is completely done. I think Bermudez eats one punch on the chin, and I think he's so prone to flash knockdowns now because, you know, he, he used to be able to push a pace. But now he's not able to push that pace because I think he's either you a USADA you saw victim or he's just gotten old and took in too much damage and he can't push that pace anymore. Getting
0: dropped 100 times exactly, doesn't help that exactly, shame, I'll tell you exactly,
1: that. Exactly, exactly. So I think he's on that state. I think Philly's got a little bit more left in the tank. Make no mistake about it, Andre Philly is also on the downside. if we're being honest. It's just that Dennis is completely on the downside, And I think Philly is going to get... His first win streak in the UFC for the first time in his career beat the second top 15 guy of his career, Hakan Diaz and Dennis <laughs> Ramirez. And Now he might have to be in the top 15 with this one, but uh, I think Philly's gonna come in here, stay on the outside, you know, do that cute little shit he likes to do that he learned from TJ, you know, switching the stance, uh, jabbing. I just think uh, Dennis. If Dennis can get inside the legs, Feely has had trouble stuffing takedowns like in the Hawkron Diaz fight where he would tee off on him and then get taken down. Granted, he worked his way back up to his feet, but he is that type of guy where you might be teeing off on this guy for three full minutes, and then he gets taken down the last two minutes. You know what I'm saying? And you get back doors. So I'm going to sit back and enjoy. My pick is Feely. I'm going to say finish. I'm going to go with the finish. Uh, second round TKO. But I'm going to go with Feely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of have to go with Feely, too, just because, like you said, Bermudez actually is completely done. The dude cannot take a punch whatsoever. They put him in there with Korean Zombie, who's one of my all-time favorite fighters. I mean, as you see, I have a framed signed picture of Korean Zombie on my wall with him uh, versus Leonard. One of the best fights of all time. But when Korean Zombie's coming off a three-, four-year layoff, and you can't even look good against that guy. And Korean Zombie didn't look good in that fight, by the way. he looked like shit. He looked like a dude coming off a ten-year layoff, and uh, Bermuda still got knocked the fuck out. And then, you know, he's getting walked. He's got. He's getting Matt Hughes picked up and walked across the octagon, slammed against Elkins, and Elkins is the fucking man. Make no mistake about it. But you would think a D1 wrestler like Bermuda's would be able to stop stop all that and keep it standing. And he wasn't able to do that. Uh, I, I just think that even though feely history shows that. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. But that, don't buy into that kind of bullshit. Look at Dan Hooker. He's oh, that's fi- a myth. He finally put his first uh, UFC win streak together. And I think that Feely has the potential to do that as well, man. And uh, you know, I, I think he's going to come out here and knock out Dennis Bermudez with a head kick. Now, the thing with Feely is he only loses to top guys. Aside from Pepe when he got caught with that fucking flying triangle, he only loses to top guys. Max Holloway, Calvin Cater, but Yair Rodriguez. These are all top fifteen guys, and with Dennis Bermudez, even though you know he also only loses to top guys, he gets dropped by dudes that you know that are retired. He gets dropped by dudes that aren't even top hundred. Tommy Hayden, Matt Grice. Like, come on, man. So I don't see why Feely can't come out here and uh, lay this dude out. And I- I'm going to be happy for Feely when he gets his first UFC win streak. And I do think there's value on the dog. It's just that there's one of these situations where. Like you were saying, Shaq, he could be teeing off on Bermudas. Then he gives up that one blast double, ends up on his back for the last minute. The judges score it for him, and you're like, "Oh my God, feel It's like we won the fight, but we didn't win the. F-. Like, like, remember that fucking jessica i Galinda faria fight we drop her with a head kick and then we do a bunch of dumb shit you just can't really trust a guy like feely even though i do think he's going to come out here and win this fight and he is able to mix it up because as you know you remember what connor said uh, connor didn't know he was a you know what i'm saying because uh, he was able to mix in the takedowns and not saying he's gonna be able to take down a d1 wrestler in bermuda's but i do think he has the acumen to keep the fight standing i mean he's working with guys like josh emmett every single day He's working with Chad Mendez every single day. Those are the perfect prototypes. Those are the perfect body types to deal with a guy like Bermuda's who's short, stocky, with you know a little bit of power. Not as much power as Emmett, not as much power as Mendez. So he's working with better versions of Bermudez every single day. I think that'll aid him to victory here. I'm gonna go with Andre Feely for the slight upset. Main event of the evening. Ronaldo Jacare Souza, he's minus 155, and the comeback on Derek Brunson is plus 135. Now, I know our boy Brunson been doing some work here in ATL with Manu, but the thing is Manu can give you striking skill, but can he, give, can he give you mental strength?
1: You know, this is another fight where a lot of these guys' history is very questionable. We know what happens with Brunson if you, you know, can make extend the fight, go a longer fight. He his style really isn't suitable for five round decisions, like we saw him lose a decision to Anderson. And let's be honest here, he lost that fight. Um, oh, I bet Anderson. Yeah, he he lost that fight, and there was no there was no robbery about it at all. But. Uh, Brunson, if he knocks Jacare out stiff, that would be the ideal way. First round, stay in his face. I think Jacare's chin is completely shot. It's just a matter of don't let him get confident and don't let us don't let him believe that his chin can take the shots. Because the second you let him do that, then he's probably gonna extend this fight and break Brunson. I think Brunson has to put Jacare away early, or the momentum's gonna go to Jacare's side. And uh, in his hometown, I'm, I'm I'm I think he will. I think Jacare's chin is completely shut. Robert Whitaker, I think. Uh, did the number on him at least Brunson came back from the Robert Whitaker uh that was horrendous but I think Jacare's at that state now I think he's about to be on the Machita state I feel like he's about to be on he's taking a lot of hard shots now I think there is a difference between the two guys in heart I think Jacare's tougher I think Brunson the second you let Brunson know that that bullshit's not working you're not about to come in here and just bulldoze me over I think Brunson checks out, and I think he starts backing up, doing the Tyron Woodley, you know, backing up into the fence with your hands down, or I feel like he just starts making these unnecessary attempts at these big bombs, and they're not landing like the Robert Whitaker fight. That shit was disgusting and horrendous, but I'm gonna go with Brunson. I think he gets the biggest win in his hometown. I think he catches Jacare early, similar Machida style, and uh, I think he gets the biggest win of his career.
0: You know, it's interesting because people think of Brunson as this wrestler, but he's actually a habitual first-round finisher. He's got 11 first-round finishes on his resume, Shaq. So that should tell you something here, that he's looking to get Jacare out in the first round, and if he does, it'll be kind of, you know, it'll set up that trilogy because if you go back to strike force, Jacare knocked Brunson the fuck out in under a minute when they fought, and Brunson's come a long way since then. He's done some big things, but I've always questioned brunson's uh mental state man i I think that he is a front runner i think that if you can extend the fight and take it into deep waters he'll drown every single time the only time that you know he's been successful past the first round in the ufc was the chris lieben fight if i'm not if i'm not mistaken i mean correct me if i'm wrong i could be wrong i've been wrong before or the the, you know when he fought a dude who lorenz larkin who's you know a welterweight okay congrats and and by the way he lost those stand-up exchanges if you remember but so two times He's won when the when the fight's been past the first round against Chris Lieben, who was on OxyContin, and he's retired now, and Lorenz Larkin, who's a weight class below. Aside from that, the dude can't go past the first round. You saw what happened against Yoel, man. I was at that fight with you, man. That was here in Atlanta. Uh, Yoel, uh, Yoel made him quit, and he broke his jaw at the same time. So in this spot, you know, I do think that Jacare is on a decline for sure, but I don't think his chin's as done as you think it is, man, because, look, here's a fundamental difference. Obviously the toughness is huge, but when Brunson got hit with a Whitaker head kick, he immediately took a knee, covered up, let the ref intervene. When Jacare took the head kick, yes, he wobbled, yes, he didn't know where he was, but he was still on his feet. He was still trying to throw that big overhand right. Whitaker had to literally finish uh, Jacare, whereas... We took the less damage then. oh it's true it's true but the thing is Brunson is a lot mentally weaker than Jacare that's why you know this is a five round fight if this goes past the first round I really think Jacare is going to take over it's just about are you going to get knocked out in the first round or not because like you like I already said bro Brunson has 11 first round finishes 10 of those are by knockout it should be 11 but you remember against Brian Houston he head kicked him knocked him down and then choked him out. So it would be 11 first round KOs, but it's really 10 first round KOs. So is he gonna make it 11 first round KOs here? That's the big question here, because that, in my opinion, is his only path to victory, a first round knockout. I don't see him out-wrestling fucking Jacare. I think if he tries to take Jacare down, he might get guillotined. I think he might get swept. I think on the mat, Jacare is going to dominate him. I mean, you saw that third round with Jacare and Yoel. Jacare fucking took down Yoel, goddamn Romero. I know that Brunson took him down early in their fight, but what ended up happening that third round? Uh, Brunson quit. (laughs) Brunson got his ass beat. So... If this turns into a real fight, a battle of wills, a fight where both their hearts are on the line, Jacare is going to run away with this and finish Brunson. But if it's a first-round finish, I got Brunson. So again, this could be another live betting opportunity if this goes past the first round because I'm very confident Jacare will win past the first round. What I'm not confident in... Is can he take that you know that Brunson blitz in that first round? That Brunson blitz, look, it's ugly, man. He runs in with his chin straight up in the air. He's so hittable, he's so counterable, but he hits like a truck. You cannot deny the power in that left hand of Derek Brunson. That's the reason he has 11 first round finishes on his resume. So it's about how much is left in the chin of Jacare. I really have no idea, but I'm gonna go with Jacare here. I think that if he can get past the first round, I think he will break Derek Brunson. And I'm gonna go with the the alligator to to rebound and get back on track man now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute and joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is the seven times DraftKings qualifier Kyle Marley Kyle what's going on not much man uh coming off of the big heavyweights
2: glad I got that one right uh on to the next
0: you got that one right indeed I got that one wrong you went against the grain never ceased to amaze me took the champs, Stipe uh Kyle how do you keep doing this man
2: Man, when everyone zigs, got to zag in DraftKings, you know. But uh, it, I didn't think it was just going to be a blowout. I, I always thought there was going to be that knockout chance. And every time uh, Naganda was on his feet, I was worried about it. But other than that, it's kind of how I saw it going down. And if he was a minus 170 favorite, I wouldn't have bet him. So I'm glad he was the
0: dog. And look, you showed the effectiveness of stacking in cash games. And now we got this main event with Derek Brunson and Jacare Souza. It's a rematch. You know what happened the first time. Jacare knocked him out in under a minute. Is this that same situation where you stack him, or are we trying to pick a side here? Um, I think stacking is
2: fine in cash. Um, you could definitely get your exposure that way. And then if, if you wanted to, you could even fade it some in tournaments just to be different. But – I think I'm going to try and pick a side and maybe go 90% on this one in my GPPs, and I'm thinking maybe five Brunson and then four Souza. but I definitely like both these guys because they have high ceilings. Should be a fun fight. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to sack in cash or not. If I was going to use one of these fighters, though, in cash and not sack, I think I would rather go with the dog and Brunson um, and afford some more favorites uh, with
0: them. One thing we know for sure is that fight is not going the five-round distance. So the winner of that is going to score you a lot of points. And then another fight, the co-main event between Andre Feely and Dennis Bermudez. It's interesting because Bermudez gets dropped every single fight, but he also can get takedowns. I know takedowns score points. I know knockdowns score points. Which way are you going?
2: Uh, Right now I'm leaning towards Bermudez, but I'm going back and forth on this one um so yeah I think again I'm gonna have both sides in GPPs but I do like the takedowns of Bermudez so that's the side I would lean if I was only making one lineup uh and then I think he's probably the better cash play too if I'm gonna go with Brunson on the other fight uh, cause if you're paying down for Brunson then you can afford Bermudez or Philly but
0: I like both guys This should be a real fun fight so I know the price tag on Gregor Gillespie is really really expensive but he is the kind of guy that would pay it off. I mean, real takedowns, real knockout power. Is it worth putting him in the lineup this time?
2: Yeah, it's worth it. Um, just the problem is there's so many heavy favorites that it's really worth it for. So how are you going to be different on the field? Um, that's going to be the key. So I'm not going to be 100% on him, but I don't see me having much Rinaldi. So I think it's Gillespie or Pass. It's just can you fit him into your lineup being the highest-priced guy? Um, I'll take a few shots. I think he is cash playable, uh, and I'm a favorite,
0: I'll most likely. So, man, I got to know how many points Mirsad Bektik scored in his last fight, which was a loss to Darren Elkins, because those first two rounds, he was absolutely beating his ass, and now he's a minus 620 favorite. They think he's going to blow Pepe right out of the water. So, real quick, in his last fight, which was a defeat, how many points did he score? He
2: had 74 DraftKings points and a loss. So uh, if the fight ended right there in a decision, he would have had 104 points, which is solid. Um, and for that reason, I mean, he's in play again. Are you going to take him? Are you going to take Gregor? Are you going to somehow try and take both? Um, it's going to be interesting to see where people go on this. I'm interested in both guys. Um, it's going to be hard to, you know, fade both of them in a tournament. I want my exposure to one guy or the other, I'm I'm guessing. Uh, I haven't made too many lineups yet, but that's the way I'm leaning, and again, I don't think I'm going to have any Pepe, so it's a back or pass for me, um, and again, he's cash playable uh, if you're not going
0: Gregor. I know you picked Frank Camacho his last fight against Damian Brown, and he came through for you, but now he's a plus 155 dog against Dober. You taking him for a second time in a row? Yeah, man, at
2: 7,300 on DK, I think think I'm going to have to take some shots on him, because because I do like those high-priced guys, so... I'm going to have to afford him somehow, and this could be a way to do it. Uh, I do like Camacho. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll fade Dober completely, but if I'm picking a side here, it's definitely going to be Camacho at 7300 when Dober's at a high price of 8900 where I would just rather get the Gillespie
0: or Bechtick, something like that. One guy I really like from my lineup is Nico Price. I have a feeling he's going to be highly owned, but I also have a feeling he's going to pay off that salary cap with flying colors I'm taking him. I'm not playing Sullivan at all on DraftKings. Are you the same way?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not going to play Sullivan at all. I think that's probably the way I'm going to go. It's just I don't know if I can afford a whole lot of Nico Price if I'm going to go with Gillespie or Bechtick. Um, It's just going to be too hard to squeeze them all in my lineup. So I'm going to have to take a few shots on all of them. If I'm making 10 lineups, I probably want you know three of each of those guys. Uh, it's just, how am I going to squeeze them all in there when I don't love a whole lot of dogs on this card? Uh, Camacho's one, but I'm going to have to do some searching to find more. But I do like Nico Price, so I'm, I'm liking him as well. It's just he's so close, Price, to those other guys.
0: I don't know if I like him more. So before I let you go, man, there's two very intriguing lightweight scraps. Obviously, Bobby Green and Eric Cook, and then Joachim Silva and Vince Bachelk. I have a feeling that the winner of both of these matchups is going to pay off that salary cap and take care of Biz. It's just a question of do you want to mess around with a fight like that?
2: Green Coke I'd rather avoid. Um, I just can't decide who's going to win this fight and how they're going to win it. So it's either I'm going to have to take shots on both or I'm going to have to fade it completely. So I don't think I, I can touch either one of them, them with my cash lineup since don't I don't believe in either one, them. one of them. But the other fight I have a lot of interest in, they're both priced 8100 So the way I'm going to go is if I use one of them in a lineup, I'm just going to create the same exact lineup and put the opposite guy in it. I'll have the same amount of exposure to both of these guys. I don't know if that will be 40% of my lineups and have maybe two and two of uh, Pichelle and Silva. But I do like this fight a lot, and uh, I just want to hedge and get both of them in case uh, my lineup is crushing it with the other five. This could maybe win a GVP having
0: both of them. Well, Kyle, once again, that is why you are the DraftKings guy for Half the Battle, man. Always appreciate the time. The fans, they got to make sure to subscribe to his DFS Army package. Get 10% off with the code Sleeveless. Let them know that Half the Battle recommended you. And uh, let them know that username so you can get a free bet, Kyle. That's right. Uh, let's do it. If i got head-to-heads posted if you want some action. Uh, I'll be there. But if you come at the king, you, you best not miss. And once again, that's why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. You know, he had the balls to go against the grain and pick Stipe. He bet Stipe. I mean, this dude, if we're getting shit wrong, he's getting shit right. You know what I mean, Shaq? Kyle Marley is a three-time world champion. One of the
1: sharpest guys I've ever come across. And uh y'all need to fuck with that guy on the DraftKings.
0: Yeah, definitely go sign up for his... uh his uh, DFS Army package, make sure you use the code Sleeveless to save 10% off. And if you let them know that half the battle recommended you, you let them know that username, you get one free bet from us. So uh, make sure you do that. But now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Charlotte?
1: My fight to watch is going to be Joaquin Silva versus Vince Pacella. I think it's the... I think it's got, uh, if Pachell, you know, stands and bangs, I know Neto's coming to stand and bang. I think it has all the makings to be a great war. I think both guys are tough. Both guys throw big punches. And, I mean, if Neto wins, he remains undefeated, probably gets a big fight next. This guy was supposed to fight Tyson his last fight. And, you know, Vince Pachell, hopefully he doesn't turn down any more uh, fights with Gregor Gillespie after this. If he wins, you know what I'm saying? He did turn down the Gregor Gillespie fight. Um, and, you know, He's a he'll prove that he's a solid guy. The guy made it to the semifinals of T fifteen, the best season in my opinion, so uh that's my fight to watch
0: yeah i mean vince versus neto bjj is going to be incredible to watch and you know sorry to be boring for all the fans but i got to go with the main event here man i got to see what happens in this rematch between brunson and Jacare because i remember when they first fought in strike force and you know brunson was this up-and-coming wrestler he just got robbed against kendall grove when everyone thought that he really won and Jacare, you know he was uh about to be the champion you know he fought luke Rockle, all these things jacquery was fucking running through everyone in strike force and he ran through Derek brunson as well but now they rematch a million years later in brunson's hometown and it could be a turning point it could be that point where jacquery is on the decline and brunson finally hits top five status or it'll show that you know brunson is uh, what we like to refer to as a top five gatekeeper where if you can beat this guy you're top five if you can't beat this guy you will not see the top five so i'm very intrigued by the main event now shaq who is your fighter to watch for ufc charlotte
1: my fighter to watch i'm gonna go with uh gregor gillespie man i think uh they're putting him in this position for a reason i think if he wins this fight they'll have big aspirations for him put him in a big fight next the guy's super marketable you know he's got the look he's got the the tattoos he's the he's the national champion wrestler you know what i'm saying so i think if he wins this fight uh Big things like him.
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime you can go 4 0 in the UFC, you know a big fight's up next, so he's definitely one of the guys to watch. But for me, man, the fighter to watch is Nico Price, man. I have a feeling, I have an inkling, I have a suspicion that this is a mismatch, that someone's gonna come out here and make a big statement. And if I'm right about that, That would definitely make him the fighter to watch, man. So I think Nico Price is going to rebound from his first ever career loss because you know he went 9-0 as an amateur. He went about 13-0 as a pro. And now he took that first L to a very tough guy in Vicente Luque, a guy in Vicente Luque who knocked out Bilal Muhammad, a guy in Vicente Luque who knocked out Tiago Maheta Santos. So now Nico gets this bounce back against a guy coming off two USADA suspensions. I think he's going to put him away in the first round. Nico Price is your fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday, UFC Charlotte. Man, I'm so pumped to get back on track. You already got back on track, man. You already put up the big number last week. Now we're about to put up another one, and uh, I guarantee the fans this weekend we're coming out with that W, Shaq.
1: 100%, and I suggest everyone, you know what I'm saying? You know, first uh, week or two was a little rough, but now it's really about to take off. Now we're about to go on a little streak here, mark my words. It starts this Saturday, easy money on – FS1, and uh, we'll see, we'll see, uh, you know, you can hit that uh, capper tech after, you know, a certain time when I say, and you see what the pick was, and see that easy money, but uh, we got individual packages, we got VIP packages, we got basic packages, and you know, if you don't like me and you like Dan, get his individual package, if you don't like him, but you like me, get my individual package, or uh, VIP, you know, you you get a heads up on all the plays, a week out in time sometimes, maybe even a couple weeks. Some of my VIP guys know a play in Austin, which ain't even until, like, what, February? So, uh, you know, we got good things going on. And uh, make no mistake about it, we will be winning Max Bet Season this weekend.
0: And uh Max Best season has just begun, just so everyone knows, and it's gonna be continuing for the next couple couple weeks and months, man, because now we got past that buffer zone, now the real mismatches come, now we get to take advantage of opportunities. I cannot wait. Make sure you follow Shaq at MMA Genius05, make sure you follow me at best fight picks, go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five star reviews on iTunes. Now is the time to sign up at maxbetseason.com at best at bestfightpicks.com because we will be getting the job done this weekend with that W.
1: Make sure you follow our new Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Again, Best Fight Picks Official. Follow my Instagram, Shack underscore BFP, and uh, we respond to any questions uh, or messages.